Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. I have us, having read, um, read verse 16, um, and I think we finished the Rashi's on 16, but someone will, will someone confirm, did we do the Rashi on Wilokohen Midian and Harahatim? Yes, we're on Yudzain of the okay. regular reading. That's what I thought. Okay. So just as we normally do, we go back one verse just to give us some momentum. Verse 16, which is on page Yudtet of our books and whatever book you're in, you may have a different page. Verse Tetzayin, Ulechohen Midian Sheva Banot. The priest of Midian had seven daughters, or maybe not a priest. Uh, that's how Rashi goes into it. Vatavona, we have several verbs in a row in that third person plural feminine of Avayipuch. Vatavona, they came. Vatilena, they drew. Vatamalena, and they filled. Et rehatim the troughs, the um, the containers of not not the not the containers of water from the well, but the what you put the water into so that the sheep would drink. Lahashkot to give water to. Son Avihen, the sheep of their father. So we hung out with the Rashi there on <clears throat> the notion of Kohen. Um, and we also had him define Rehatim for us. Okay, so now we're on verse 17. Vayavou Haroim. Everyone agree that's where we are? Okay. Uh, Alan, do you want to read for us? You got to unmute, Alan. Unmute. Okay. Okay, so you can okay. translate that. Okay, Moshe and Moshe got up. Uh, I don't know what Vayoshan means. Like Yehosh, like Lahoshia to save, to rescue. Ah, Adonai Hoshia Hamelachayin of Yom Korenu. Okay, okay, um, and he came to the rescue, and he uh, watered the 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 sheep, the flock. Good. So at the end of the previous verse, we have the daughters of of the priest of Midian poised to to give water to their um, sheep. In fact, they've already seemed to either they I feel like not only they seem to have they they actually have filled the the troughs with water. And then vayavoha roim vayigarshum. Okay, so um, let's just translate precisely, and then we can raise questions. Rabbi, can yes. I just uh, say that uh, we were going to pick up with the word Rehatim this week, and we seem to have skipped over that. We didn't do the Rashi and Rehatim? No. No. Uh-huh. Then let's go back and do that. It's pretty straightforward, but let's do that on the previous verse, and then we'll pick up where we were. So, on Eta Rehatim, which is the last Rashi on verse 16, Leonard, since you reminded us of that, will you just read that Rashi? Okay, Eta Rehatim, Et Brechot Merutzot Hamayim Haasuyot Baaretz. Okay, and can you translate okay, that? 
So these things, which aren't furnitures, but they are uh, troughs, mm -hmm. are pools that run with water that they would uh, uh, made of earth. Right. So um, you can imagine in your mind, right, there's the well, which is the source of the water, and then there's some kind of a container that's built into the earth um, that into which the water was poured. And that's where the sheep would drink from. I have a, a super commentary on Rashi that reads the following. Heim chafirot, things that are dug. Ha'asuyot ba'aretz, made in the earth. Samuch laba'er, near the well. Right, so they wouldn't have to transfer the water far. Asher elehem shofchim etamayim, into which they would pour the water. Hanish abim, the water that had been drawn. Min ha'be'er from the well to feed, to water the sheep. And these pools, they're called because they run. One second, just letting someone in the room. Um, because they kind of run through them. So there's a commentary in Rashi that's trying to somehow make a connection between Rehatim and Ratzim. I think that's specious, but um, it's probably a more elemental understanding of, of, of a Resh, He, Tet, Shoresh having to be a, a structure which holds something, whether it's the modern notion of furniture or the ancient notion of a truck. Vera, do you want to shed some light onto this? Rega. Okay, Boker Tov, everybody. So there is in Aramaic a Shoresh, a root, Resh Heitet, which means to run. It just simply run. So that indicates that the water is running within the Rahatim, which are those, um, how do you call it, the, 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 the trucks. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that means that the water is running, comes from Aramaic, Reshetet, which means to run. Right. And, and um, in fact, in the, um, the version I'm looking at here, there's a reference to a single line in the book of Reshit. Uh, in chapter 18, verse 7, the El Habakar Ratz Abraham is the beginning of Parshat Vayera, where Abraham runs to the to the sheep in order to uh, to the cattle order to provide for the, the angels who are coming. And Unkelis translates the word rats there run as rehat Avraham. So there is an ancient connection. It's not, I guess it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a bad alliteration, rats and rahat. It's just an etymological connection that Aramaic for run can be rehat. So rehatim, things running with. Mm -hmm. um, Barry and then Leonard and Rebecca. So I get the sense that these are not holes with standing water that they pour into. Rather, they are canals with running water. And if running water, where is the water running from? Uh, if this is a well that you draw the water up and then you pour the water, that's standing water. Where do we get in running water from? Yeah. So animal husbandry is not my forte, but my image of it is that it might be a trough that has a little bit of pitch to it so that it's, it's poured in the top, it runs, 
and there might be several places along that run where the sheep can can drink from. Where it's pooling at the end, I'm not sure. Um, I don't have that picture in my mind. Uh, Leonard, Rebecca, and then Barbara, and then Norm and Rachel. So it turns out that this root appears in lots of uh, languages in the neighborhood there, Akkadian, Iraqi, Arabic, and so on. And the dictionary says that it probably all comes from the Aramaic root rahat. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's just a uh, the equivalent of roots, where the tzadi becomes a tet or vice versa, and the hay becomes a vav. And it's really the same word. It's just the, you just do the substitution of the letters in there that is common and, you know, going from one language to the next. Uh, that may be. I looked, I overlooked that. Um, right. The, 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 the three letter Aramaic root, resh, hay, tet, could be re- basically resh, vav, tzadi or resh, tzadi. Yeah, it's possible. Um, Barbara? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd comment on the word trough, which is a very common English word, at least in the West Coast. I mean, I've been I've seen it my whole life, which is where they feed, where they give water to horses, cattle, things like that. It's interesting that this is apparently an earth where the water would then sink into the earth and get lost to the animals in the long run. But troughs are very common. You can see, you'll see them in movies of the Old West. Yeah. Um, right. The, the, Barry's question remains a good one about if, if, the, if we're calling it that because of the running nature of the water, where, where is it running to? I want to show you uh, my screen. I'm going to show you Jastro's. Um, Actually, Jastro. where, where, where is the water running from? So this is Jastro on Reish Haytet. So um, here where my cursor is uh, on this one, because this is the Aramaic, to run or to be swift is rahat. He also says up here that there is a Hebrew um, rahat, and it does say, look at roots, suggesting there's a connection between them. So um, even in, in rabbinic Hebrew, not just Aramaic, there was a verb, lirhot, to run, but certainly in Aramaic, to run and to be swift. Um, and here, a rahat are the gutters of the watering trough. So my, my question is, if this is absorbent soil, where is the source of the running water? The source is that they're pouring the water in from what they've drawn from the well. How, how much water can you possibly draw to make running water on absorbent soil? It's a good question. It's a good question. I would, if someone has some realia here, uh, chime in. Um, Larry, Diane, and Norm, Rachel. So artesian wells actually flow. So the water is bubbling up from the ground and flowing out. So maybe this was some form of an artesian well that actually had a had a, a flow coming up out of the ground, like a direct correction, correct a direct connection from the source. Right. Interesting. It's not. It's not the way. Rashi also wasn't an expert in animal husbandry three thousand years before he left, but it's not the way um, he reads it. He reads it that it was kind of poured in there, but by, by their having drawn it. But that's interesting that it could be. Um, um, sourced from the from from the place where it's constantly producing the water. 
uh, Norm, and then Rachel, and then Tova? Um, I once spent the better part of a week in court in Riverside listening to explanation of how sheep herding goes in Riverside County and in part of it contrast to how it's done in the Middle East. So, but essentially the trough is probably not just ordinary soil, but hardened soil that's been trampled down or whatever. But even to the extent that some water gets absorbed into it, what happens is they pump water out of the well, they pour it into the top end of this trough and it begins to flow down. Sheep come up to it and they drink what they want to drink and they get pushed out of the way by thirstier sheep. And eventually all the sheep have enough water and they've brought enough water for all of them and some will evaporate and some will be absorbed into the ground and some will continue to flow down and they eventually just water the plain or go down to an actual wadi or riverbed. And this is a process that was, that is even to this day well known in the Middle East um, and somewhat known in the West. Um, in the Middle East, things, other aspects of shepherding are significantly different because they tend to lead the sheep rather than follow the sheep. But in terms of watering, that's what it is. You, you have a trough, you pour in, it flows down, sheep drink. She, eventually, all the sheep have enough and they walk away and you stop loading more water in it. And whatever water is there is either going to get absorbed or is going to evaporate or is going to flow down to wherever it flows down. It wouldn't surprise me if you kind of uh, turned off of Route 1 in the Judean Desert and drove into some of the Bedouin encampments there and you watched them when they drew their water from the well and, and, and watered their sheep, that it would probably be a rather similar process to what you just described, Norm. Tova? Um, no, I'm open. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment that uh, the... Uh, use of troughs as dug out of stone was very common. I was just looking on uh, Google. There's lots of examples of Middle Eastern ancient troughs, which are actually carved out of stone. And though Rashi suggests that it's a packed earth gutter or a gutter in the earth, which maybe was done at times, if you've built a well that is any kind of stone, you know, frame around it, it would be not uncommon to add a stone trough. So that would deal with the issue of sinking into the earth. If we uh, are, if we question Rashi. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does make us wonder why it was so significant for Rashi to add the phrase. Yeah. Right. That it was made, you know, it, it seems to be that the Ba'aretz doesn't just mean um, in the earth, but with earth, right. He seemed to be suggesting that, that it's actually, formed not from stone. Um, or maybe we shouldn't read Rashi as closely as he's reading the text. And maybe um, right, that what he's describing is, you know, could also have been made by stone, in which case the water is, is going to stay in it longer. Um, okay. Um, we now know, we now learn, spend more time talking about ancient uh, sheep troughs than you ever thought you would. Uh, let's go forward now to where Alan was reading. Um, and what I wanted to do was to translate that verse uh, a little more closely so we can raise interesting questions on it. So, you did great, Alan, the, the shepherds came. Um, it's interesting that we have, we don't know who these shepherds are, right? Because we've met the, we've met the women at the well, but we haven't, Haroim almost suggests as an antecedent 
of shepherds that we know about, but we don't know who they are. But I'll just keep translating and stop putting questions in. Vayigarshum. They evicted them. That's what that means. They evicted them. And interestingly, I'll, 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 I'll pump the well a bit to use a pun. It's not Vayigarshun with a nun at the end, which it would be if the them that the they are evicting are all women. It's a Vayigarshum suggesting that at least some of the evictees are male. And then we have Vayako Melech Leoshian. Um, Moshe got up and saved them, but the them is a, is, a, is, a, is a nun here, so it's feminine. So the whoever Moshe is rescuing are all women, Vayashk, and he gave water to their sheep, right? But again, we have a fl- flipping back. It's not Tsonan, it's Tsonam. So I just want to be very careful in, in, in translating, at least looking at the words from a gender perspective to see what kind of questions that might raise. So we have the first hand up. Larry, Diane, then I see Tova's hand. So I have a whole series of questions and comments about the verse, but I'll start with uh, <clears throat> Aryeh Kaplan, whose translation and implicit commentary is interesting. So going back to the previous verse, his translation picks up, I think it's at the Nachta, and he says, as they, this being the daughters, as they were beginning to fill the troughs with water to and water their father's sheep. So that's the way that he deals with the series of Vitavona Vitilena. Is he kind of makes it a continuous action that that they're beginning, they're starting to do this. Mm-hmm. And then he has a comma. So he does something that I've commented on before that maybe the breaks aren't the breaks that we should be reading into the, uh, the story. So as they were beginning to and fill the troughs and water their father's sheep, other shepherd, shepherds came and tried to chase them away. Interesting. Period. Uh, leave the rest of, this, of the phrase for later. There's no tried in the sentence. There's no commentators that I can see who, thinks, who think that they tried, but they didn't succeed at all. And I found that very interesting as the first point. Um, Can I interrupt you for a second, Larry? Sure. It's a fascinating read by Arye Kaplan to insert the try. It's interesting for two reasons. Number one, because had they, if we understand that the shepherds have successfully driven them away, then they're no longer present to be saved by Moshe, right? And interestingly, if you look at the Aramaic here, I I was troubled by the Aramaic until you read me Aryeh Kaplan's translation, which makes me think that one is, that that there's an, they're either influenced by the same thing or that Kaplan is influenced by Tunkulis. The Atu Raya, the shepherds came, Uteradunin, the root Tet Resh Dalid in Aramaic does not mean to evict. It means to bother. It means to annoy. So it's interesting that that Uncleus doesn't translate this by saying that th- they indeed sent them away, but almost as if they started bugging them, annoying them, uh, bullying them, so that they leave. And why Uncleus does that, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's also understanding that they still have to be present in the next word for Moshe to actually rescue them. 
right? If they've been sent away, then Moshe is not rescuing them. Moshe is bringing them back, right? Uh, so I wanted to insert that. Keep going, Larry. Oh, that's good. Um, I, I think I'm going to come back to the to the gender issues in in the um, in the in the verbs that you that you mentioned, um, but. Um, it says, V'yakam Moshe. So I went back and I, I, I didn't find a connection, but this, this, this raises the, the, the image of what Moshe did when he went out and he saw the Egyptian beating the, the Israelite. There he, it doesn't say that he, that he stood up to him. There it says, I think the verb is V'yak. He smote him, yes. Right. He just hit him. And here he stood up to them, right? He got up and he stood up to them, but he didn't use any violence that we can see Hmm. whatsoever. And of course, I'm thinking um, there are several of them and only one of him. On the one hand, this is relatively brave. On the other hand, there's no description of what happened. How was it he successfully drove them away? That's a really interesting um, and, and astute question. The last time we've seen Moshe intervene, it ended in bloodshed. He's earned a social work degree, right? He's not shoot first, right? To, to be to be very current, right? He's what's de- he he has learned how to de-escalate. He somehow rescued them without leaving there be a corpse on the ground. Uh, what, what, one could write a very interesting and controversial Dvar Torah on current policing in the United States based on the question you just asked, right? So, and, right. But my final thought, which, which is different, it goes against that a little bit, is perhaps it's not only the daughters who are coming down, but he mentions the daughters because we know there's going to be a betrothal going on here. But in fact, the um, the Vigashum refers to a mixed assembly of men and women, probably young boys and young girls would be the shepherds. Um, so that's that's one of the one of the places, and it may well be that Moshe was able to use the presence of some of these young boys as well to threaten the other shepherds. So it could. I'm reading a lot into it. I know there's not much. To, to hang my head on on here, um, but he drove them off. He and these other boys, the brothers of the daughters, the brothers of the daughters drove. Right. In other words, they're they're standing around the well. These shepherds come. These male shepherds come, and they go to drive off the uh, the daughters and the uh, and the and the and the, um, the sons of um, of uh, Moses of, of Yitro, who, the man who will become Yitro. And Moses comes up before they've left, because they haven't actually left, and sort of in a magnificent seventh sort of way says, now we will defend the well. So you're, saying that, you're saying that the V Garshum, the subject is not the, 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 the bullies of the girls, but Moshe and the, and the boys. That shepherds came, but then other people sent away the shepherds? No, what I'm saying is to read the beginning of the uh, of the phrase, these these bad guys shepherds came, and they drove them off a yigarshum. So the bad shepherds drove off the daughters of um, Yitro and the sons of Yitro, 
and maybe even tried to drive off Moshe. I see. And Moshe was the one that got up and said, no, we won't go. We're going to stop these guys. Got it. And he then, well, he rose to the defense. It doesn't even say that he, it, it, there's nothing in there that, that would suggest that he defeated these bad shepherds, that he drove them off. Maybe they just said, okay, we can all water our sheep here. We don't know what's really going on. Right, right. This is like gang, a gang turf war. Right, great. So, you're, and you're suggesting that the reason why it's Vayagarshum and not Vayagashuna and Sonam and not Sonan is that it's not just the daughters who are there. It's the daughter with their, with, it's with their brothers or with other male, um, you know, escorts or helpers. And it's a mixed multitude of genders who are being driven off and who are associated with the sheep, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Ibn Ezra, I don't want to go into, but Ibn Ezra is a grammarian, and he basically says, "Yeah, sometimes the mem ending can also uh, can also be for for all women, right?" So he, it's like he says, "Yeah, I noticed the problem, but I'm going to ignore the, the problem." Uh, so several different ways of handling that. Let's go, Rick, Norm, Barry, Alan, Marshall, in that order. Hello. Hi. Okay, I like to clarify. So the beginning of the verse. The shepherds are coming, right? They're not coming by themselves. They have their own flocks, right? Vayagarashum is their sheep kind of pushed out the sheep of the seven daughters. I don't think there's any brothers or else they would have said so. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, Moses rises up wherever he was. Maybe he was hiding. He was, I don't know. I'm trying to remember what Charlton Heston did. Um, but anyway... He saves them, the women, right? That's great. It's feminine. And then at the end, he waters all the sheep. So Nam is, is the, the shepherd's sheep and the daughter's sheep. Everybody's getting along. He said something like, hey, can't we all get along and share the water? So I like that even better than Moses being violent. He, uh, he, uh, he just made peace with everybody. So. That's there are truly endless numbers of ways you can reimagine a scene when the subject of verbs and the object of verbs are all pronouns and not named, right? They, they evicted them can be read in many different ways. Even, even if the shot seems to be that the bad shepherds evicted or tried to evict the daughters, it's not explicitly clear. They evicted them and they evicted them either all, all women or they evicted them, some men and some women. It leads to multiple possibilities. And what you just put up, Richard is possible because we don't, because we don't have the cliff notes. Um, Norm. I was going to say essentially the same thing that, I think the them who are evic- who would have been evicted were the sheep, and Moshe stands up, and whether he says, I'll water you all together, or he says, you know, you guys just have to wait your turn, um, and they decide to wait their turn, um, isn't really gefährlich. It isn't really important. Um, yeah. he's, he, at this point, stands up from where he's been sitting and watching and argues for justice successfully and peacefully and... The flocks get watered, whether they're watered simultaneously or one after another. I don't think it's crucial to the story. He stood up. He's found his clan. Yeah, that if we think that the object of the garish, of the eviction, are the sheep and not the women, then that can explain the bayagashum, right? Not bayagashum, except that it's in the next half of the verse. It's sonam, their sheep, and the there includes masculinity. 
one of the things that Ibn Ezra says is that the reason why it's sonam and not sonan is that two nuns in a row are hard. So it should have been sonan, they're feminine sheep, but sonan is harder than sonam, so it's turned into sonam, not so not much more complicated than that. I also want to pause a second before um, we get the next hands. We, we've done a lot of comparisons between Moshe and Yosef and their different places in a foreign court. There's an interesting comparison here to Abraham, actually specifically in Vayera. We made a reference to Vayera before just on a, on a word. Um, in thinking about uh, what Larry said in terms of the different way that Moshe is responding to this conflict compared to the previous conflict, we see that in Vayera with Avraham's response to God in the Akedah, very different than Avraham's response to God a few chapters earlier when it comes to Sodom and Amorah, right? Many, many sermons have been written about that. When it comes to Sodom and Amorah and God wants to do something seemingly violent, vicious, and indefensible, Avraham puts up a mirror to God and says, God, this is... This is what you look like when you are acting this way. Are you sure you want to go that route? And pushes back against divine authority and negotiates down to 10. Would never get saved anyway because the argument of minion is still in Amra. Although when it comes to the Akedah, he's submissive. He doesn't push up against God. So these characters, these our ancestors, are as frustratingly and wonderfully inconsistent as we are. And sometimes they're learning in the right direction. Sometimes they're learning in the wrong direction. Depending on your understanding of Akidat Yitzchak, you might say that Abraham devolved, that he pushed back against God when it came to the people of Sodom and Amorah, but somehow lost his tongue when God asks him to sacrifice Isaac. Maybe, maybe. And here in this case, we might say that Moshe evolves, right? That what has forced him to flee was that his response in the moment um, to do the right thing, which is to save an Israelite was to kill himself and to leave a trail here. He has found a way to, um, to resolve the situation seemingly without bloodshed. Of course, you could put a parenthesis in, parenthesis in and say in that scene before where he kills the Egyptian, that's exactly what he ought to have done. And it's not an evolution. It's just a different set of circumstances, but it's interesting to see Moshe being in, uh, in close proximity to two moments that are very fraught, and complex and with different outcomes. Um, Barry Allen Marshall. So I, I want to go back to your previous interpretation that this was a, a matter of the shepherds bothering the daughters, not butting in for water. Mm-hmm. And kind of a spoiler, I looked ahead. Uh, the, the underlying story here is uh, what uh, their father's position had become in society for having um, uh, renounced um, um, the, the worship of, of, of gods. Uh, they were uh, outed, ousted, and uh, they were coming basically to bother them, which brings up then Moshe's uh, character. Back in Egypt, he sees something bad happening, he steps in. He sees something bad happening here, and he steps in. That's when he, he, he gets up when he sees something bad happening. Thank you, Barry. Yeah. And we'll, we'll in a second or maybe in an hour, maybe in a week, depending on how close we go, uh, how quickly we go, we'll hear Rashi's understanding of what is behind this Gerusha, this, this sending away, um, which you made reference to in, in a lovely and oblique way. 
Uh, Alan and Marshall. Need to unmute Alan. Sorry. Um, I, 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 I take the view of, um, that it was an attempt to get them away and more harassment that they weren't actually chased away because if they were actually chased away, you know, then they wouldn't have been, they would have had to leave their sheep behind in order for Moses to water them. So it couldn't have, they couldn't have gone all the way there and all the way back, particularly when we see that later on looking ahead that you came back so quickly from what's going on. If they were chased away and had to come back, it wouldn't have been coming back quickly. Yeah. So I think it, I, I, it, it supports the view that it was an attempt to, uh, uh, harass them and not a success in chasing them away. The first time you look at Uncle S's translation, you want to say to him, Uncle S, don't you know what the word garish means? It doesn't mean to bother, right? But, but now that we kind of, we're, we're, we're marinating in the scene, there does seem to be a resistance to read this as an actual expulsion because they're still there. Um, Everett Frock, Everett Fox, um, he, he kind of, he, he doesn't go there with this and normally he would. He just translates them. Shepherds came and drove them away. So drove them away, suggesting that they were driven away. But Moshe rose up. He adds a but. He delivered them by Oshian and gave drink to their sheep. So the, the but Moshe rose up seems to say like they, like he drove them away, but didn't complete, completely drive them away because Moshe interceded. So he's kind of playing with it. I'm curious, any of the other translations in front of you, um, do anything interesting with drive away that suggests that it's not a complete action? Who has an interesting translation they can share? Anyone have the It's Chaim Chumash in front of them? I want to hear how JPS translates it. Okay, well, Rick is looking for that. Marshall's comment, and then uh, Rick will find that, and then we'll hear that. Marshall, and then Toby. Uh, uh, I was just comment on the word for Yoshian. Uh, interesting word, Lahoshia, to rescue, to save. It's really a foreshadowing, according to Robert Alter, of uh, Moses' role in the future, uh, where he says, uh, Moses' intervention to save Hoshia, the girls, accords perfectly with his future role as commander of the Israelite forces in the wilderness and the liberator, the Moshia of his people. Mm. Very nice. Good. Uh, Toba? Um, I was just thinking that maybe uh, the the... A resolution is not that not picturing that they drove them away from the well, like drove them away altogether, but drove them away from the trough. I mean, that's what they're fighting over is mm-hmm. who's going to bring their flock to the trough. Mm-hmm. So the women have their flock there. They drive them away from the trough. And that's the conflict. Nice. Good. Good. So it doesn't have to be that they were driven to, the, to you know, a kilometer away, just shooed them away from direct access to the trough. Rick, what does JPS say? Um, nothing different. It's just drove them off. But there's a commentary I'd like to add. Please. Uh, um, uh, well, there's two of them. One is that uh, to draw water was a common occupation of young women. So, we again, we don't really need brothers to do it. But then how is it? Apparently, the girls experience constant mistreatment at the hands of male shepherds, causing them to arrive home late regularly. So that's why I know it's the next sentence, but that's why he's surprised that they come home sooner because they're always being hassled by men, you know, yeah. interrupting and all that. <laughs> uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Very yeah. good. Very good. 
That was nice and subtle and well and well placed. There. Okay. Um, all right. I think we've gotten through the the hands that are up. Were there any more um, we, um, any more questions on the verse before we look at Rashi, which is a, just a two word Rashi? Okay, Alan. I think you were reading. Yes. Can I just make a comment? Please. On the, in the in the Chumash um, Etzchayim, there's a comment at the bottom that three times Moses intervenes on behalf of a weak person oppressed by a stronger one. First, the Israelite beaten by an Egyptian, then an Israelite beaten by another Israelite, mm. and finally the Midianite women harassed by shepherds. Had we been told only of the first clash, we might have doubted the unselfishness of his motives. Perhaps he has been motivated by the sense of solidarity with his own people. Had we been faced with the second example, we might still have had our doubts. Perhaps he was revolted by the disgrace of witnessing internal strife among his own folk. Came the third clash where both parties were outsiders. His sense of justice and fair play were exclusively involved. I, I think this comes to tell us what's going to happen, who Moshe is. From the, This is what the comment at the bottom of the page, not the middle of the page. Great. And it, it reminds me of the Midrash that explains the scene that we're going to get to pretty soon, which is the, the, the way he got to the burning bush was by following a wayward sheep, right? And that showed his merit, right? That God was going to um, pick as a savior for the people, the kind of shepherd who would not just forget about a sheep who went wayward, but went after him and that wayward sheep led him to the burning bush. It's very much there in Cecil, Bill, Cecil B. DeMille's version, I think also in the Prince of Egypt, right? That we're, 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 we're building up a character of Moshe as savior, Moshe as conscientious, Moshe as sensitive, which is the type of persona you would imagine would be a worthy savior of the Jewish people, Israelites. Um, okay, you're back on to Alan. So Alan, if you'll read the two-word Rashi on Vayagashum. Vayagashum, Mipnei Nadui? Nidui. Nidui. Right. So Rashi here goes in a different direction than we have been discussing, but he's linking what he said here to the previous verse. So does anyone remember what Nidui means and what's, what's the context here? What does Nidui mean? Don't know. So Nidui, it's the same root as Nida. Nida grammatically, even though it's used halachically with respect to uh, menstruation, it means someone who is kind of forced into isolation, someone who is in cherem, someone who is kind of excommunicated, right? So that's what the word means. So, Marshall, what do you think, that, what, what do you think Rashi is saying here with mitnehani dui? Are they impure? And that, and that oh. they're chasing them away? Oh, sorry. No, no, it's okay. That's not... Yeah. Um, Marshall, is, is, it like, is it like they're menstruating or something, so he has to chase away the daughters because they're impure in some sense? I, I don't think that's the reference. It may be that it's impossible for a Jewish reader to read Mipnehani Dewey and not associate that. I don't think that's what Rashi is explicitly going for. Marshall? Yeah, well, I, I made reference to a Midrash last week where it said basically that uh, uh, Yitra was referred to first as a Kohen Midyan, and he was like a, a priest for the Avodah and he suddenly said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so therefore, his society banished him and his daughters. And the end of the Midrash said that he asked other shepherds to help help you know, take out the sheep. And they all refused. So therefore, the daughters had to take the sheep out. Right. So because of the, I don't know, the... the, the Social ostracism, maybe. 
Yeah, and, and the epiphany that the man we haven't even met yet has had to reject idolatry uh, in advance, almost as a premonition in advance of meeting Moshe and welcoming Moshe to his family. His daughters are persona non grata at the well. And what's happening at the well is not only, according to this Midrash, just, you know, you know, you know, many puppies, you know, vying over the same teat and, and access to, to limited water. It's this, this is a segregation. This is, this is well segregation. This well is not going to be uh, accessible to a family that has rejected our religious claims, which are idolatry. So literally means because of the banishment, the banishment of Yichu and his family that came from his burgeoning awareness of monotheism. Right. So this is the Midrash's just as the Midrash is trying to thicken Moshe's character as we get to the main scenes. We're also trying to thicken Yitro's character before we meet him, particularly because he's about to be a very significant advisor to Moshe. Right. So they suffered at the well because of their father's religious epiphany. And then Moshe, who represents um, the very tradition that Yitro was kind of becoming sympathetic to. And a very important reminder, Moshe, who just recently himself kind of re-identified with that identity, is the one who saves the daughters from the banishment that would have come from the idolatrous um, shepherds. Um, Barbara. Yeah, I just thought you, Silverman agrees with what you just said. His, That's what his, he, he, uh, he just his He doesn't say excommunication, but specifically says because of the banishment into which their father and his family had been driven, and references T-A-N-C-H, which I don't know what that is. Anchuma, kind of a, a mid to late um, a, a midrash of Agadah, of stories supposed to midrash halacha. Yeah, great. Um, just want to see if I had any other notes on this. Don't think so. Uh, any other comments on this verse? We're going to jump to the next verse. Wow, we're moving right along. Okay, so let's jump to verse um, 18. Whom have we not heard from today? Um, uh, Matt, are you there and able to read? Matt going once, Matt going twice. Okay, Joel, do you want to read the next verse? Hi, no, I'm walking. I can't do it. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay, Joel. Tavona. Um, El Reuel Avihen Vayomer Madua Mehautan Bo Hayom. And they came to their father Reuel. Mm-hmm. Their father was Jethro. Right. But you only thought that because you know the rest of the story. This is the first time we, the reader, are exposed to it. And the first time we, the reader, are exposed to it. The father of these women is named Ruel, and it will only be later in the story that he'll be named Yitro. And it's it's a confusing thing. Was he, did he have a nickname? Did he have a name in his own language and a name by you know is this like a Hadassah Esther kind of thing? But you're right. We know this character as Yitro, but the first time we meet these character, his name is Ruel. Um, and he says, um, "Why did you hurry home today?" Good. Why did you hurry home today? Who was it who just made reference before to uh, a pretext for the hurrying? Was that Barry? Someone had someone had mentioned their midrash um, uh, who had said that. Rick, was that you? Say, say it again, Rick. Well, it was in the Hertz Chumash. Uh, sorry, it was in the Eitz Chaim. 
Right. Um, apparently, the girls experience constant mistreatment at the hands of male shepherds, causing them to arrive home late regularly. Ah, right. So, so, right. So that <clears throat> question, that, that answer, is to the question of the word miharten, the hurrying, would suggest that what was strange about this encounter with the well was not that they were harassed by the other shepherds, but that they the harassment ended by the means of some savior, Moshe, which allowed them to finish their watering and come home on time, right? So we would have thought his question might have been, why are you so late? You must have been harassed at the well. The answer is, why did you get, why did you emerge from that harassment so quickly today and finish your, your sheep watering um, at an earlier time than normal? Norm, Rachel? I, I think that this also suggests that the normal harassment was not that they were driving them away. They were just saying, you have to wait. We're going to do our flocks first, and then you can do yours last. Um, we're discriminating against you, but we're not trying to starve you. We're not trying to starve your sheep. Um, but you guys, your sheep and you, you have to wait. And normally, therefore, they arrive late. But it's not that they arrive with the sheep unwatered. They arrive late. That's great, Norm. And it really... Um adds more substance to that translation of uncle as, 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 as bothering and badgering them, not actually driving them away. Almost like getting in the way of a, of a quicker opportunity to water their flock, but not actually a driving away. Eventually, they were able to do it even if they had to wait an hour. Good. Um, okay, I see a couple of hands. I, I wanted to oh, sorry, Rachel. bring up just the name Reuel. What does that name mean? Doesn't it mean seer of God? Well, it depends on what language we're supposed to be um, <laughs> reading it in. Seriously. So if, if we do a notri kun on it and chop it up is to reu el, right? So then it's either something having to do with shepherd of God or rea, friend of God, right? But in Aramaic, resh ayin vav hey, resh ayin vav aleph can also be ratzon, will. Right, yeah, um, right, may it be your will. So, we're not even sure which language we should be trying to translate it from. Um, and of course, the Torah doesn't help us. Um, there are many Midrashim trying to pick apart the meaning of his name, but I don't think there's any obvious pshat. But I think it maybe suggests that he's already a follower of the Holy One. Um, because L is is in the name, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's um, in in the modern uh, ethos when you converted to to Judaism, you add on a Hebrew name, right? So it could be that um, you know Reuel is the name he's going to take on uh, as uh, as 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 a, as a Jew adjacent, whereas Yitro Jethro was his tribal name. Who knows? Um, Barry then Renee. Well, I just want to go back to that. Uh, if uh, the, the reason for the, them being bothered, the daughters being bothered, was their father's uh, ostracism from society, segregation, um, then this is a, a more a different kind of bothering than women being bothered by men at the well. And uh, Moshe's inter, interceding in this is of a different nature than rescuing women from being bothered by men. Right. Right. So by cha- by by adding that that frame over it, um, it makes it a like a 
an intervention that is more faith for faith-based um, or at least the, the harassment is more faith-based rather than just age old um, gender harassment. Renee. So I'm just curious if it's grammatical or if there's a message in it in Everett Fox where he writes when they came, he writes home in parentheses twice. If that is a significant message or it's just a grammar thing. Yeah. So what, what, what um, Renee is referring to when, when Everett Fox translates this verse, he says, when they came parentheses home to Ruel, their father, he said, why have you come parentheses home so quickly today? Um, at first glance, I don't know. At first glance, I'm not sure what it is in the verse that is suggesting that the verb lavo to come needs an interjection of, a, of, a, of the word home to make it clear. Cause I think that that's implied. I'm open to, to suggestions. Matt, give a thought. On the, yeah, sorry. Uh, um, I was back on the ale question just very briefly. Ah, okay. Ale so, is n- not necessarily the, the Hebrew God. It could be a regional God, a Canaanite, Canaanite storm God or Philistine, Philistine, Moabite. It's all sort of larger regional areas. Right. Partic- and I think we've seen before that ale is not necessarily the Hebrew God exclusively. Right. Particularly because Elohim suggests a plurality of the concept of El, which we midrashize into um, representing a certain quality of the one God, but probably etymologically comes from the notion of a pantheon of gods. Right. So, right. so the fact that El is does not, not, neither proves nor disproves that this is a name he adopts when he starts moving towards monotheism. In, and, and all of this is within the concept of, of the midrash itself. And there are nice birds tweeting around you. Thank you. I, I, I arranged that just for this class. I appreciate that. Uh, Vered, Rebecca, Leonard, and then Larry, Diane. Just wanted to reply to Renee about the word bow. So bow can, does not need to have come home or come other place. Bow can be also read as infinitive. It's an absolute infinitive, what we call like shamor. If it's a complete verb, this is a nine verb. So bo is infinitive and you do not need any other word. It kind of translates, why did you rush? Why were you hurried to return home today? Because normally he knew that he takes time at the well, a little bit having, you know, to work, I mean, to stay with the shepherd and to fight with them in quotation and, but today they came home very early and he was puzzled by that. And that's it on that pursuit. Thank you, very much. Rebecca Leonard? Well, I was thinking of the phrase, um, you know, Baha Shemesh, which, you know, literally means the, the sun is coming. But what it really means is the sun is setting. The sun is going home. So maybe there's a home component to the to the Lavaux. So just as, you know, the when the sun comes, it means it's setting, you know, or it's returning to its home. When something else is coming, it means it's returning as well. Yeah, I, th- I think you're onto something, Leonard. The question is, why did Ever Fox feel the need to do what he does extremely rarely, which is to insert a word in parentheses, which suggests that not 
that that without that word, we're, we're, we would be we would be confused because I think what you just described is happening automatically in our minds anyway. When we hear the word "come," either in Hebrew or "va" in Hebrew, uh, "come" in English or "va" in Hebrew, particularly since they've been at a well and now they're with their father, we we fill in the word "home" in our minds, but we don't need it added in as if we'd be confused without it. So I think you're right that that can be built into what the word "lavo" means. I'm just not sure why he's. He, he's doing this parentheses, which he again does very, very rarely. Um, but it's, uh, I, I just noticed that he did it in sixteen with water as well. That they drew water. See that one is that one makes more sense, right? Yeah. If, because yes. that one that one is missing an object when you mm-hmm. and the verb batavona in the previous sentence they came batilena and they drew. Well, to draw is a transitive verb, and it requires the object. So he adds in. What did they draw? They drew water. But in our verse, they came. Yeah, obviously they came home. We don't need that in the verse, I don't think, to make sense of it. Larry, Diane, you might be the last comment. Go ahead. Yeah, a couple of things probably don't make any sense. The first thing is, um, <clears throat> make Joel crazy, I like to talk about the use of the word God in English and other languages and the fact that it really mis- misrepresents what we mean in Hebrew when we talk about the different forms of El and then Adonai and the name and everything else. So in this case, what we've got in the sentence, if you read it, if you were looking at the Torah and, and not just in the Chumash, you would see Aleph Lamed and then you would see Resh Ayin, um, Aleph Vav, Aleph Lamed. So you would see something that looks like God of, maybe even we could say, the bad God. It doesn't mean that, but if you look at it, you take it out of context, you've got the L twice, before and after. And I'm sure... L-O-L, got it, okay. Yeah, and um, so that leads me, so that I'm not going anywhere with that, except to, it just struck me as I went to my tikkun to look to see that there was no hyphen in the Torah side. And the hyphen's put there, I think, to make it clear they were talking about he went. They're going to well, but I'm not sure. But that leads me to another comment from the previous verse about Reish Ayin, which said we say Havoin, the shepherds. But Reish Ayin is also bad. So the bad ones, the shepherds are the bad ones, and we're going to get in the next sentence in the next verse. Just to jump ahead for one second. When the daughters answered, they said that, yeah, this Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, but it could also be read as the bad ones. Mm -hmm. And that leads me back to what we talked about a week ago or so when we asked about the definite article, hey, in the, the, well, the shepherds. And any any of you who know the play Oklahoma, the song is, and the cowboys and the farmers should be friends. Not cowboys and farmers should be friends, but the cowboys and the farmers. So here we've got the shepherds and maybe the bad guys at yes. the same time. Great. And, and, and that, that's what you just, the, the, the previous thing that you mentioned, this El Ruel, you're right, the, the Torah doesn't come with hyphens, but Trupp tells a story here that El Ruel is considered one word. Right, it only has one because it has one trup. Vatavona el ruel 
avihen. It's not ehel reuel. It's not merchatipcha. It's just a tipcha. So why we don't know, but somehow the el reuel is considered one word grammatically and tropistically. And one last comment, which is what you mentioned before about Arya Kaplan trying to inter, inter, integrate Onkelos. Un- I don't know what Onkelos says here, but there are some commentators who think that Ruel was not their father, but their grandfather. Mm. Right? And so Arya Kaplan says they went back to their patriarch, not to their father. And in a lot of cultures, even in Africa, you call your father, your grandfather, even your aunts, even your uncles are all called father. Yeah. Every one of the generation before you was called your father. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tba.org.